John chapter 7. Don't forget to sign up for youth camp if you're planning on going, Robin says. There's a sheet on that table tonight. We're trying to get enough, uh, the picture of how many people are going and all that good stuff so we can know how much room we're going to need, food we're going to need, and all that. So we're, we're, we're just looking forward to determined youth camp here in a couple months, and it is a great, great move of God, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Tonight, Rivers of Living Water, Part 4, and this evening we'll take a, a, a deeper focus of Jesus specifically being our fountain of these living waters. Uh, the very fountain of life, the fountain from which comes righteousness, which really is equated to our life. The Bible says that the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit, that's, it says that in Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 10 tonight, I believe it is. I have it here maybe. Uh, yes, Romans chapter 8, verse 10 so we can see this with our eyes before we move on. The Spirit of God is life to us now because of the righteous work of Christ. Not only is the Spirit of God life to us because of what Christ did at Calvary, the way He is life to us is by bringing us to life out of death, giving us a new spirit a spirit that is no longer severed from him, but a spirit that is now alive unto God, can communicate with God. You didn't have a spirit like that before you were born again. You, the spirit that you were was a, was a separated, severed spirit from God. You had no access to him. You couldn't even communicate with him. You couldn't see the kingdom or enter it, Jesus told Nicodemus, until you were born again. And the born-again experience gave you a new heart and a new spirit. It brought you to life. And the Spirit of God is life to us now. And that's what Jesus was referring to when we'll see it again tonight when he said, Come unto me, all you who are thirsty, and drink of these waters I'll give you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit to have life. But it takes Jesus, faith in what Jesus did in his death for the Holy Spirit to be able to be given and to give you life. And for you daily, moment by moment, to experience that life. It takes the Holy Spirit. You and I do not just get to experience the life of Christ without the Holy Spirit. He's required for every time you've ever experienced Christ, it's been by the Spirit of God because He's the one that was given us so we could know God, experience God, walk with God, bear forth the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So I wanted us to look at this, Romans 8 and 10, before we get started. And if Christ be in you, is Christ in anybody in here tonight? Hopefully that's all of us. If, if, if Christ is not in you, I hope you don't die before he is in you because you won't make heaven. If Christ be in you, and we could read this, since Christ is in you because he's writing to save people here, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And because he refers to the body being dead because of sin, he could very well here be speaking of the spirit of, man, the spirit of man being alive because of righteousness. And again, either way you want to look at that, they're both correct. 
The Spirit of God is life to you now because you've been born again. And the, the, your spirit is now alive and no longer dead because Christ dwells in you. Amen. So, But it says, look at the last three words, because of righteousness. That is equated. It means because of who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary. That's righteousness. Righteousness doesn't come from anywhere else. It's declared from the cross. It's only offered from the cross. Its fruit initially has to be because your heart believes under righteousness. And just like Peter in Antioch, who was righteous but who was not doing righteous, he was rebuked by Paul so he could get back on the path of righteousness and start bearing forth the fruits of righteousness again. Everybody good? Amen. Just because you and I am righteous in Christ doesn't mean that we're partaking of the fountain of life. It means there's a potential there, and we can at any moment, but it doesn't mean we're always drinking from that fountain. Anybody here tonight? It doesn't, you, 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 you and I are not drinking all the time. It's a potential opportunity that's there for all of us to be constantly drinking of the fountain because we are now in Christ Jesus. And we'll see why I'm talking about righteousness tonight here in a few minutes. But let's read John 7 again tonight, verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly, his heart, shall flow rivers of living water. And think about what happened when you first believed on Jesus. What does the Bible say you were doing? You were believing unto righteousness. So you see how righteousness, believing unto righteousness, is equated with drinking the living waters. Do you see that? It's also when he said, come unto me and drink, out of your belly will flow, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, living waters, because you will be alive if you come to him and drink. But remember in John 6, he talked about you have no life in you unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. So it's all equated, and the common denominator is if you believe upon him as who he is, as the scriptures portrayed him to be as the smitten rock the rock of ages, the rock of our salvation. And we'll look at that here in a minute. But he says, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly, his heart, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So there we're pointed to Calvary where he was glorified or where he, was, where he glorified the Father. Some teach that Jesus wasn't glorified till he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Nevertheless, the Spirit couldn't be sent until Jesus got home. He had to go through the cross to get home. And when he got home and he got seated, then he received of the Father and the Father sent through him the Spirit that we have access to, that we have living in us at every moment of our lives. You have God living in you. God Almighty by His Spirit dwells in you. 
And again, before we move on too quick from this, I want us to maybe say this again as far as drinking of the Lord Jesus Christ is equated to believing on Him as the Scriptures have said. But it's also equated, as I just said, when the heart believes under righteousness. Your heart has to be believing under righteousness to be drinking. The first time you took a drink of the rivers of living water is the only way you can drink for the rest of your life. Your heart has to be believing under righteousness, who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary. Not just anything in the Bible, but everything written in the Bible related to him and what he did at Calvary. Because all things, meaning all of even the words of God, are of him, through him, and to him. All things means all things. Amen? Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So I've I've been mentioning this in Exodus 17. If you want to turn there, we'll start in verse 1, but we haven't went there yet and read this little few verses here to, to, I believe, refer to what... I believe Jesus was referring specifically to these scriptures here, but not just these scriptures. We could believe upon Jesus as all the scriptures have said. But he's offering water. He's offering rivers of rivers of living water. And this story in Exodus 17 that we're about to read, just about the first eight verses in Exodus 17, I believe is what he was referring to of believing on him as the Scriptures has said because he's offering what this story pictures under the Old Testament, rivers of living water. So let's read this together tonight. Exodus 17 verse 1. And this is when they're wandering out in the desert. None of us ever wandered out in the desert. Have you wandered out in the desert? No, you hadn't. I've been in the desert. I've seen the desert. I didn't like the desert. I was in Saudi Arabia, and I saw the desert. It's about like looking at the ocean, except it ain't water. It was prettier from the airplane flying over, but it's no place to be in the desert. And... uh, that's where these, the people of God are in the desert. And let me say this before we get into this story tonight. Sometimes spiritually you might feel like you're in a desert. But you have access right where you are at any time to drink. Amen. God's not got to do anything for you to be able to drink. He's already provided the well of salvation. He's already provided the one from which all the waters of uh, uh, rivers of living water protrude from. That's Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Exodus 17, verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of Sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? I'd probably been one of them. You get thirsty, you want to drink. You start griping. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know some, I know how we are. We miss a meal. And boy, we, so we start acting a certain way. Somebody says, What's wrong? You ain't ate? Hangry. There it is. Yeah, what'd you, you know what I mean? We better learn how to drink because I don't know what's coming in the days ahead. We better learn how to drink spiritually. Amen. 
Verse 3, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord. <laughs> and Moses, you, what you pastor one of these days, you'll be laughing too. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, Now here it comes, get ready. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with you of the elders of Israel and your rod with you wherewith you smote the river. Take it in your hand and go. Behold, I will stand before you there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? It's easy to move into a place of doubt. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You can be walking close to the Lord today and tomorrow comes all of a sudden. And you're wondering, where are you, God? <laughs> well, he's not left. He's not gone anywhere. We've let circumstances kind of blur our vision or make us doubt. But if we keep looking at the right object, we'll keep seeing properly. Amen? And I want to read verse 8 because it's very important. Then, everybody say then. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. I read that this morning and I thought, you know what? God didn't let the enemy come and attack Israel till he gave them water to drink and to be able to live and fight. Jesus has showed up here in our lives in these last days. Number one, to save us. Number two, to find us not knowing how to live saved, to bring us back to the place to live saved. The knowledge of how to live saved, how your faith has to be in the sacrifice. But it's for what's coming. It's for what's coming. He's teaching you how to drink because of what's coming. He's teaching you how to drink and where to drink because of what's coming. And you better be very well aware of the focus. Your focus has to be where the well is. That's Christ crucified. He says in verse 6, Behold, this is the Lord now. I will stand before you there upon the rock in Horeb. The Lord is where the rock is smitten. The Lord is where rivers of living water are offered. The Lord is standing on what he did before the foundation of the world and he will not be moved from it. You recognize the Lord, you'll recognize him as the smitten rock, just as Moses did. There shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And you got to know there was millions of people, there was millions of cattle, there was millions of sheep and goats, cows. There was an unimaginable amount of people there 
and animals there. Unbelievable. Probably the line, single file, would have went from here. There's no telling how many miles it would have went. And there was enough water that came out of that rock to take care of them until God said it was time to move on from that place. All of them. It was a miracle. And there's enough water flowing out of our Christ to save the whole world. Hallelujah. There's enough. There's enough to live saved, enough water to drink, to, 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 to stand uh, in, in the face of any enemy that comes along. But you got to be drinking to stand. you got to be drinking to stand. And again, the first of this service, I, I, I believe that this is specifically what Jesus is talking about because he's offering them water a people who had no water up until he would come and become that living water to them through his sacrificial work, the righteous work he would perform in his death on Calvary's cross. They had no spiritual substance like he was about to offer them. And he could, he, he, the Bible there tells us in John 7, this he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who'd not yet been given. But he was about to pour out rivers of living water through what he would do at Calvary that could sustain the whole world if they would only drink from that fountain. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can live saved. Everybody on the planet can be saved and live saved if we will learn where the proper fountain is and if we'll just keep drinking the waters of life freely. Amen? And if you'll remember, I talked about initially how what he offers there is also related to righteousness because believing upon him as the scriptures have said is also believing under righteousness with the heart. And I want to show you scriptures in the Old Testament tonight that, that God's showing us that his righteousness is as the waves of the sea. His righteousness is like the mighty mountains. His righteousness, where's the other one? Oh, it's, 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 it's his righteousness is as a mighty stream. A mighty stream that men can't control. Uh, uh, waves of the sea that men can't control. Mountains that men can't do anything with. His righteousness is related to those things and I want to show them to you in the Word tonight because righteousness, he relates it to waves in the sea, mighty streams, mountains so high. Righteousness is the most beautiful thing our God can behold. It's the, it's the most magnificent and beautiful thing among men that he can behold. It's what he looked at when he saw his son laying his life down. That's why he's making us conformable unto that death because he saw his perfect son carrying out a perfect humility, a perfect obedience unto death, hallelujah, when he was totally, completely trusting and committing himself to the one who judges righteously, the Bible says that Peter wrote about. Righteousness is the most magnificent, beautiful thing that your God has ever seen among men on this earth. 
It's more beautiful than his creation of trees and clouds and skies. His greatest, most magnificent, beautiful picture that he could ever behold is his righteousness. Because it's who he is to you. It's who he is for you. It's what he became for you and to you on the cross. It's the most beautiful picture he'll ever see with his eyes. And I'm talking about the God who created all things. Righteousness is the most precious thing to him that's ever existed among men. And Look at these scriptures tonight. As we read, first of all, in Amos chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. The prophet Amos in chapter 5, verse 21. And I'll try not to get held up here in these few little verses because this could surely preach. God is telling His people Israel, I hate, verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days. Now these are feast days He gave them to carry out. But He says, I hate them. And I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. That means I will not, I will, the, the, the aroma of them, does, I will not be a part of it. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your instruments. That's what vials means. I'm not listening. It's God telling His people, I'm not listening to your songs. I'm not listening to your instruments. Look, verse 24, but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Our songs, our church attendance, our instrument playing, our anything has got to be the fruit of righteousness. It's got to be the literal fruit of our face, our faith, our yielding to moment by moment, the very death of Jesus, the work of righteousness there. Just because we're saved, don't make the mistake of just because you're saved and you're doing something good, that that's the Holy Spirit. These people were doing what God told them to do, but their faith was no longer in what would cause righteousness to flow down upon them as mighty streams. It takes the cross at all times as the focus and the object of your faith because it removes your unrighteousness and brings His righteousness as mighty streams. Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? But you have borne the tabernacle of your... This is Israel now. Listen to what God is telling them. But you've offered 40 years sacrifices in the wilderness, but watch. But you have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and of Quinn, your images, the star of your God, which you made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, 
saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Now, I'm not going to stay here. I told you this could preach, but I ain't going to preach it. But I am going to say this. Mixture, mixture brings you into captivity. Mixture will bring you into captivity. They offered sacrifices. They sang about whatever. But mixture brings us into captivity. You say, well, what if we're ignorant? Ignorant, don't, God, Bible said God don't wink at ignorance. If there's a mixture, to the degree there's a mixture, to that same degree we are in captivity to something that's not good. Amen, Brother Curtis. Okay, so we saw there, I hope you highlighted this in verse 24. Righteousness, God says, is what he's looking for. And if he finds it, he'll find it flowing down like a mighty stream. Because his righteousness is like a mighty stream. When Jesus died on Calvary's cross, that rock of ages was smitten and rivers of living water are like a mighty stream flowing out. It ain't just something running by. It's a mighty stream. Mighty stream. Hallelujah. So the next one we want to look at tonight is the one, the scripture that tells us his righteousness is as the waves of the sea. Waves of the sea. Mm. Isaiah 48 and 18. Oh, you, oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. Hmm. Then had your peace been as a river. When, when, when would his people have had peace like a river? When they obeyed his commandments. Then had your peace been as a river and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. You know what that means? Righteousness is the waves of the sea. Endless. Endless. In, the endless experience of righteousness. And again, we go back to Antioch with Peter. He was righteous in Christ Jesus, saved. But his fruit, he was not bearing the fruit of who he was in Christ and who Christ was in him. Everybody knows the story, right? I hope you go back and read it. Much as, I, much as I throw it on the table, I hope you've gone back and read Galatians chapter 2. You need to. Because just because we're righteous doesn't mean we can not do big pieces of stupid, unrighteous things. Amen. Your righteousness could be as the waves of the sea. When? If you'd hearken to my commandments. That's the same for us in the New Testament. You, you understand that, right? Jesus taught us that. If you love me, you'll keep my command. And we do love him. Amen? Our obedience, and I want to say this tonight because we need to hear this over and over, our obedience is his obedience. We have no obedience if our faith is not in his obedience unto death. That is our obedience. But if that is where our faith is, we will be experiencing obedience to the Word of God. Amen. You can't work yourself into salvation, but once you're saved, the Bible says you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. They are there. They are there. I'm reading right now about the judgment seat of Christ, and I'm telling you what, it's very interesting. One of these days, maybe we'll teach on that. There's some things that, you know, we, man, I don't hear people talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Some people think that's just going to be a hop, skip, and a jump in. Everybody's going to get the same rewards. Man, that's, that, that ain't nowhere in the Bible. That ain't nowhere in the Bible. The Bible talks about each man's going to be rewarded based on his works. 
He wasn't saved by him, but he's going to be rewarded based on his works. And ultimately that means, that ultimately means what Christ was able to do in and through us because our faith is in his obedience unto death, the only place the Holy Spirit can have a legal right to work in and through our lives. I said it Sunday, let me say it one more time. The, the welcome Holy Spirit sign is the heart believing unto righteousness. It ain't nothing else. It ain't words. It's not words. It's a heart believing unto righteousness is the welcome sign to the Holy Spirit. That's what welcomed him the first time. And that's what gives him the legal right every time to to carry out the will of God in our lives. Amen. So let me read this again, Isaiah 48 and 18. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. Then had, and, 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 and I needed to say what I said because there are Christians sitting at home on the couch thinking I ain't got to do nothing. My obedience, the obedience, I have, that's Christ. my faith is in the cross. No, if your faith is in the cross, you're a busy person. You, you, there's, you're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You can't sit at home on the couch and say, well, my, Christ, he's my obedient. He, he is. But if you really mean that from the heart, you're actively obeying the Lord, following him. Don't get caught up. And I've watched people these almost 18 years. We preach this message now. People be, I've seen them come in. They, they, they couldn't wear jewelry. They couldn't wear makeup. They couldn't wear pants. They, couldn't, they, they only breathed every other day. And they come out of that ditch. They come up. They got free. They got liberated at Calvary. And then all of a sudden, the devil lied to them through the lust of their own flesh and told them they went plumb over in the other ditch. And they said, man, I'm so free. I ain't got to go to church. I ain't got to do nothing. I'm free. That's a lie. That's deception. That's a deceitful, fleshly lust. You can come up out of one ditch, you can cross that narrow path and just go right down in that other ditch. It's a narrow path, deep ditch on both sides of it. It's, I'm serious. I've watched it happen. I've had leaders in this church come up out of one ditch, be so tickled and excited they were just beside themselves at the freedom and the liberty they had, the testifying of it, to find themselves one day not wanting to be this focused on Calvary's cross and then I, I don't have, man, we so free, I ain't got to do nothing. And if you tell them what they're supposed to be doing based on the Word of God, they'll say, you try trying to put me under law, ain't you? You are under law if you're a Christian. I hope you know that anyway. It's the new covenant law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We're always under law of some sort. Let's read it again. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments, then had your peace been as a river, and your righteousness would have been as the waves of the sea. You see, this is when we read these scriptures, talking about God's righteousness as a mighty stream, that's the way He wants to see it in our hearts. That's the way He's offering it to you through His Son, His Son's work in death. That's the way He's offering you. That's what God wants to, what He gave these prophets to declare that these people missed out on. It is what they could be involved in. They could be laying hold on. And God wants to see His righteousness as mighty streams in our heart, flooding our hearts. Hallelujah. 
because we're focused in becoming more focused, more determined not to know anything but Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. That's what he wants to see. Righteousness is a mighty stream. He wants to see his righteousness like the waves of the sea, just, just, just filling your heart. Amen. All right, the third one is Psalms 36 and 6, and this one is not uh, uh, about water, but it's like it, it's speaking of how great his righteousness is to him. Psalms 36, verse 6, Your righteousness is like the great mountains, the psalmist said. Think about that. But at the end of this verse, it does talk about water, doesn't it? Your judgments are great deep. That's water. Your judgments are great deep. O Lord, you preservest man and beast. How? Your righteousness is like the great mountains. The greatest, on the earth, the highest thing that exists is not a building, it's a mountain. I don't know where the biggest one is, overseas somewhere, I think. Where is it at? Mount Everest, maybe? Is that, where's that at? Himalayas? Yeah, I've never been there. Greg, you probably climbed that mountain, didn't you? A couple times, I thought so. Mountains are the highest thing on the planet. The highest thing. And God says His righteousness is like the great mountains. That means it's higher than anything. It's above anything. Anything that we have in our lives that it, that's exalted or that we're looking to or trusting in other than the cross of Christ, we're, we're exalting something vain above what God is offering us. He wants His righteousness in our hearts to fill us like mighty streams, like waves of the sea. He wants to raise His righteousness to a higher level in our hearts, to awaken us to righteousness. You ever know why Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said, Awaken to righteousness and sin not. Because righteousness and you becoming, when you were born again, a servant of righteousness, while, you, while everybody say while, while you are serving righteousness, you will not be serving the sin nature. You can't serve both at the same time. If you're serving obedience under righteousness, then God's going to see these scriptures taking place in your heart because he had to make you righteous, Romans 6, and then make you a servant of righteous, Roman righteousness, Romans 6, before you had access to these living waters that could be like mighty streams in your heart. Jesus taught it. Out of your own heart will come rivers. You see the scriptures in the Old Testament coming to life for us in the New Testament tonight. Out of your heart, Jesus said, rivers of living water, mighty streams, his righteousness just flooding our hearts like waves in the sea, rising above everything else we desire to serve righteousness. We learn to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen. What's the promise if you hunger and thirst after righteousness? You will be filled with what? Mighty streams. 
If you learn to love righteousness, what's the, what's the benefit of that? What, what's the Bible say? The, the, Bible, the Bible say is the benefit of loving righteousness. The oil of gladness will be poured upon you. Most Christians, can't, they can't talk much about righteousness, but we need to be learning about righteousness. Because it's equated to drinking. When, when we first believed with a heart unto righteousness, we were believing upon the one as the Scriptures were being told us. And when we believed, we began to drink. We received a well, hallelujah, a well within us. Jesus told that woman, didn't he, at the well. You have a well within you. And you can... Isaiah says, with joy, draw water from the wells of your salvation. That's what I want going on in me, y'all. That's what I want going in, on in me. I want mighty streams of righteousness. I, I want waves like the sea. Right? I want to be full. I want my heart to be full of that which I'm believing on. And it ain't going to happen if I'm just wishy-washy and in and out. That happens, listen, that happens enough when I've come to the conclusion that I have to be determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. That happens enough when I do know that. What about these people that are trying to slide away from this? What's going to happen to them? You better be praying for them because they're moving away from where they can just drink all the time because mixture brings captivity. And the more I mix with the cross, the more I'm in captivity. And the more I'm in that captivity means the less I'm drinking. Hmm. We read it in the Old Testament. And don't ever get the ideal that you can say, and you have a right to say because you don't, that things in the Old Testament don't have anything to do with us because they do. The New Testament says that the things in the Old Testament were written for our admonition so that we could learn from them and so that we could be comforted through the hope that we find in the Scriptures. That's what the New Testament tells us. So to drink, you have to keep believing what you believed the first time. Now preachers today will tell you you can just drink. You heard me. I used to do it all the time. I've done it recently back when we were in those places and those preachers thought they had something to offer that they had living water to offer getting down in the floor and putting their hands on people and telling them just to drink 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 they wasn't nobody talking about the cross they wasn't nobody talking about the lamb they wasn't nobody pointing to the cross but they was talking about drink there ain't no drinking without the cross there ain't no drinking without the lamb there is absolutely no drinking spiritually. The, the New Testament also tells us that the spiritual drink we drink is the same drink the Old Testament's drank. It was the rock. And that rock is Christ. The only place to drink is from the rock that was pierced. His name is Jesus, and he was pierced at Calvary. I'm not drinking because I'm quoting Scripture, because I'm just do, doing something. I'm drinking if I'm believing in the rock. Amen. Praise and worship can't deliver me. 
If that were the case, Hillsong wouldn't have gotten all the trouble they got in because they had some of the most precious, beautiful music you could ever listen to, but they got themselves in a, in, in a massive boatload of sinful trouble. But their music's great. If, if praise and worship could deliver you, they'd be, they wouldn't have got in all that trouble. Praise and worship ain't going to deliver you. You ain't going to get free from singing. If your heart's not touching Calvary, you're not drinking. Mm. If your heart is not touch, not did. If your heart is not touching Calvary, you're not drinking. We've said it many ways. Jesus is the door, the cross is the hinge. Jesus is the light, the cross is the switch. Jesus is the fountain, the cross is what tapped that fountain and released it. John 7, 37 through 39, he talked about if you drink of him, you'll have rivers of living water flowing out of your innermost being, out of your heart. This he talked, he spoke of the Spirit that could not then be given because the fountain had not been tapped, so to speak. Pierced. The rock had not been pierced. But when he was pierced, as I said earlier, there's enough drink for the whole world to never, ever stop drinking, to be sustained moment by moment every day of your life. Christians today think it's just too far out radical to think that they have to be focused on the cross all the time. My friend, God disagrees with that. God disagrees greatly with that because it goes back to what I said earlier. The most beautiful and magnificent, the most wondrous thing God has ever seen in His creation among men is what He did in His Son in death on the cross. That's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. It was God in Christ reconciling sinners to himself, not charging them with the trespasses they were guilty of, but forgiving them. That is the most precious, beautiful, wondrous, magnificent thing God has ever done among men, to men, for men, and there will never be anything greater to him than that. So don't be distracted by these deceitful, crafty words that will make you think the cross doesn't have to touch everything. The cross doesn't have to be involved in everything. If, if the cross, if you don't have the view of your Savior and what he did, you won't drink. You'll be like in the desert. And you'll think you see water, but when you get to it, it won't be there. Everybody all right tonight? What's those things called out in the depth? Mirage. What's them other things called? Oasis. Oasis. Is that where you find water, isn't it? Spiritually, isn't it, isn't it this way spiritually? If you're so thirsty, imagine just physically, you hadn't had anything to drink in three days. Where do you think you'd be? You'd be in trouble. How many days can you go without drinking? Three? You'd be in trouble. Probably delirious. Your vision would probably be going. All kind of things be shutting down. 
Well, it's the same spiritual. It's the same spiritual. If you're not drinking from the pierced rock because you're trusting in this, and we don't really have to be all about this all the time. We... Then you, Peter said, you'd go blind. If you forget, you were what? Purged from your old sins. You have to keep drinking from the rock. You, there's no other object of faith. Friday night in uh, New Jersey, I'll be teaching on something that I've not taught on. I've mentioned it a lot, but talk, I'm going to be talking about one faith. There's only one. And we're going to get into detail on that Friday night at 5 o'clock up there in New Jersey. So if you can, tune in and watch. There's only one faith. There's only one object of faith. There's only one place to drink. And it's not, our drinking is not based on what we do. Our drinking is based on what He did. He is the fountain of living water. Jesus is our fountain of living water. Water comes from nowhere else but Jesus, but it only comes from Him through our faith and Him being pierced. Nothing else. And just because I drank one time or just because I ate his flesh the first time, so to speak, faith in his death, doesn't mean that I'm eating now, doesn't mean I'm drinking now. But it definitely means if I'm a Christian, I have access at every moment to be drinking. Every moment. You know what being a Christian's like? You done set up camp right by the well. You, we done set up camp right by... We're actually, we living in the fountain. If Jesus is the fountain, we're living in the fountain. We got to be awful dumb to tape our mouth up. And that's what we do when we move off into the... We listen to these educated folk that try in these deceitfully framed words to get our you know, focus off the cross. They're just trying to get you away from the well. And I could say some things tonight about some people who are doing that that you don't nothing about. Some of you get up and leave church if I said it. And I know things I can't tell you because if I did, it'd mess some stuff up. But you're going to find out on your own. You're going to find out on your own. I'm not moving away from the well. I'm not moving away from the place Christ was pierced. I'm not moving away from that. Man, my life has been a revival for almost 18 years. Why would I move away from the fountain, the rock that was pierced, to, to start looking at something else? Why would I, if, if I do, if I move away from it, if I, if I start listening to folk who want me to think there's something else, then, I'm go, then you know what I'll do? I'll start calling that a revival and that a revival and that a revival ain't going to be no revival. Ain't going to be no revival. Can't be a revival without the focus of Calvary. Can't be a revival except among people who become dead and dry and the only thing that will revive them is the waters of living, rivers of living water. And that only flows out of a pierced Savior's side. Amen, Brother Curtis. I'm going to keep drinking. I hope you'll set up camp with me. We go sit, we've been set up camp all these years. We go, you know, a guy asked me one time, when y'all having y'all's next revival services? I said, next time we meet at church. Sometimes some folks come to church and they act like they ain't in revival. Well, I, that's between you and the Lord. But the revival is here. 
Revival is wherever the message of life is being preached. Revival is where the rivers of living water are flowing and tapped into through faith in the sacrifice. That's where revival. Folks that need revival are the folks who are not drinking. And we got the message to tell them where and how to drink. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We'll just get happy tonight. I hope you get happy with me. Amen. We just get happy. Ain't no need sitting around like a bunch of uh, uh, just old fuddy-duddies because some people are trying to pull on us and get us moved away. Let them go where they think they got to go. We stay encamped at the rock. Hallelujah. We not moving away. Amen. Glory be to God. You're going to get your feelings hurt in the days ahead when they call you names and they, they begin to persecute you and, and criticize you in certain avenues. Look, let, don't pack your tent up and move away from the rock. That comes with being camped out by the rock. Amen. That comes with being camped out by the pierced rock. The Bible, in, my, in, in, in our uh, First Peter teaching, the Lord's revealing some things to me. You know, we talked a lot in the last couple of years about, or even longer, about us. Ha- we're supposed to be of the same mind. We're supposed to all be of the same mind. That don't mean in this room, and then they, they over there can be of a different kind of mind. We all supposed to, all Christians are supposed to be of the same mind. And just yesterday, the Lord reminded me what that mind is. Arm yourselves with the same mind Christ had. You have the mind of Christ. That's the only mind. There's only one mind. It's like the faith. There's only one faith. There's only one mind. It's the mind of Christ. You've been given that mind. You have the mind of Christ. Amen? And the Bible, Peter said, as Christ suffered, arm yourselves like so. Arm yourselves with that mind. So the mind we're of is we're staying camped out by the pierced rock. And we're going to suffer for it. We're going to be called names for it. We're going to be looked down. We're going to be called elitist. We're going to be called all kind of stuff. But while the names are coming, we just drinking, hallelujah, right by the rock. We just drinking streams of, of living water. Amen. I'm telling you some of the greatest Deceitful deceptions are happening right now and more coming later. That's, if you can be pulled away from the rock, you better be careful, my friends. God didn't put us here to change our mind about this message. God put us here to become determined to know nothing but this message. From Genesis to Revelation, I'm amazed at how we can say there's a scarlet thread that runs through the whole Bible, but then folk get mad when we try to preach that scarlet thread in all the Bible. Why is that? I'll tell you, there ain't but one reason. is because flesh don't like it. Amen. Flesh don't like it. Put the cross down, self gets to take over again. You pick the cross up and start carrying it again, self has to be denied. Amen. We're going to let him stay denied. We're going to keep him denied and Christ glorified. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Keep drinking. Keep drinking. Oh, keep drinking. Teresa needs to write a song. Keep drinking. Keep drinking. Hallelujah.
Huh? I can't imagine. Keep drinking. Keep drinking the right drink. Keep drinking the right drink. It's the drink. The only right drink is the drink, the The rivers of living water that come out of that pierced rock. Amen. Amen. It ain't saying I'm believing in the cross. It's a heart trusting in it. Hallelujah. It ain't words. It's heart. That's where the power is. That's why the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. That's what the New Testament says. It ain't in word. It's in power. When the heart's touching Calvary, there's a power there that loosens the tongue for ministry. It teaches us and gives us the power to love when we're being hated on, to keep standing when others are trying to pull us away from the focus, to forgive, to be merciful. It's all there only as we drink. If we quit drinking, then bad things are going to happen. Amen? Let's pray tonight together. Father, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to be here together. We thank you for the words of life, light, and liberty. That we see more of Christ every time we open this book. The one who was pierced, the one who was perfect, the one who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. That we might have that same joy, the joy of the Lord. That we might have the Holy Spirit flowing in us flowing in us like a mighty stream flowing in us like waves on the sea raising up in our heart above everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God oh like the mighty mountains your righteousness above all things oh we thank you tonight for this word we thank you tonight for hearts that will only move on in and be found fighting the good fight to lay hold on this eternal life that we have, to continue to drink of these living waters, to continue to keep looking to the only one who can pour that oil of gladness upon our hearts. Oh, we thank you tonight for showing us that even, Lord, any time we feel dry, the access is there. The access is there. The Spirit and the Bride together. The Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ together say, Come and drink of these waters freely. Oh, these waters of life freely. These waters that give life. That give the experience of true life in Christ Jesus. Oh, these waters of life that flow from the fountain into our hearts and up up like rivers up like mighty streams up we thank you Lord hallelujah we thank you Lord for showing us these wonderful scriptures tonight to remind us again the most precious most magnificent the most wondrous and beautiful thing your eyes have ever beheld among men it's what you did in your son on Calvary's tree I thank you for that tonight I thank you Lord as you stirred my heart months ago to ask you Lord show us the cross like you see the cross show us there what you see 
because what you see there is what you are conforming us into the image of. Help us to see that. And I thank you that you are doing that to a hungry people, a thirsty people who are seeking your righteousness like never before, like never before. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you need prayer, come, let us pray together. If you need prayer, come, we'll pray for you. If you're watching online and you have a way to put your comments there, put them there. I promise you we read them. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Pray with us tonight. God is with us. Our God is with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch my brother tonight, Lord God. Touch him, Lord. Convict him. Show him your wondrous love. Oh, the love that offers these rivers of living water. The love that gave Christ. Oh, the love that nailed him to the cross. The love that caused him to reach for us and to crucify our old man so that this new man all can drink and drink forever. Bless my brother, Lord. Bless his physical body. Bless his soul and his spirit. Bless him, Lord, and I pray that you would strengthen his hidden inner man, that you would strengthen that inner man with might. And I thank you, Lord, for calling him and using him mightily even more so in the days ahead. We thank you for it. We thank you for your touch upon him, everything that pertains to him, his relationship with you, his family, his co-workers, all that pertains to him. We pray for an increase of who you are to him and what you desire to do in all those avenues. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it tonight. Anybody else need prayer? Y'all need prayer up here tonight? Y'all looking at me like you do? <laughs> Anybody need prayer? Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness. We thank you for your favor upon us. We thank you, Lord, that your countenance truly does shine upon us, reflects from us, all oh, into so many other people's lives. We thank you, Lord. Help us not to, Lord, equate ourselves or judge ourselves among ourselves, but to look to Jesus, to look to the one, all oh, who authors and finishes this faith that we have. Help us to only look unto Him to find these living waters. Oh, help us to, to realize if we ever begin to become dry, we can drink of these free, these waters that are freely offered from Calvary's tree in Christ Jesus. We thank you tonight. We thank you again for this word. We thank you for those whose hearts are open to the truth, whose feet will be found walking in the truth of these words. Those who would be found more so than ever before striving together for the faith of the gospel. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the days ahead through each of our lives, our families, and this ministry corporately. Your reach being farther than ever before. We give you all the praise for it tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we love you, Lord. Everybody said amen. Amen.
God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to pray for the meetings this weekend in New Jersey.